Church, let me invite you to open up God's Word with me this morning to the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 3 today, and as we open up the Scriptures together at this time, our elementary age children are invited to gather in the foyer with Mr. David and children's ministry leaders uh, for a time of children's worship down in our children's worship room. And just a reminder to that end, you parents, uh, you follow uh, your uh, your intuition and the Spirit's guidance on taking advantage of that opportunity. We, we want to partner together with you. We want to equip you and encourage you the best that we can as a church family and as ministry leaders in the church to know how to train up your children uh, in the faith. And we believe that primary responsibility is, is yours. And so we, we want to come alongside you and encourage you and equip you to that end. And we know that this is one way that uh, that uh, you can can participate in that. But if you feel uh, like your children would be better off gathered in here and listening with you and conversing later in the day about our our time together and what God is teaching us through His Word, then we encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity as well. But today we wrap up. Our Loving My Neighbor uh, message series, which means next week, next Sunday, we're turning in a new direction. We're uh, beginning a new series, but it's a focus that flows right out of the call to love our neighbors, to love and to care for one another and for others, particularly our hurting, our vulnerable neighbors. So next Sunday, we're joining with sister churches. We're, we're joining with sister SBC, Southern Baptist churches, through uh, an initiative, an emphasis, launching a Caring Well initiative, which is this. It's a unified call to action for churches to confront the abuse crisis. A, a crisis that no doubt has, has impacted countless lives all across the globe, all around the world, and even right here in our city, and no doubt, no doubt, including many even within our own church family. This is a sensitive subject matter that we're going to be unpacking and and diving into over the next couple weeks as we wrestle with the injustice of, of sexual abuse, striving to do so with fidelity to God's Word and with an honesty with one another. And so next week, in fact, the next two Sundays, parents, let me encourage you to take advantage of our children's worship time during the sermon time for the next two Sundays for fifth graders and and under. Certainly that responsibility, that encouragement is is for you for the sake of the subject matter that we'll be diving into. And we'll be sure to prompt you as we usually do at the appropriate time in those services where children will be invited to go and to participate in that time together. Also, parents, let me encourage you, let me strongly encourage you to to go ahead and mark your calendars and plan to be here for a luncheon on August the 22nd. That's two weeks from today, right after our second uh, worship gathering in the fellowship hall. We're going to gather and share some important information with you about family ministry and about this particular subject matter and what that looks like for us to care well for kids and students in our own context. So this is certainly for parents, but not just for parents. It's also 
uh, for volunteers that have served, maybe are serving, or potentially would serve in any of our age group ministries. We, we want you there. We want you at that lunch on the 22nd. And you could help us by signing up for that, by registering for that. You can do so by contacting uh, info at meadowbrookbaptist.org or calling the church office and uh, RSVP, and not only for lunch, but for child care as well that day. But I want to take a moment Before we dive into our text for today, I want to take a moment and introduce to you, church, the particular people, the particular men and women in our own church family who have been working diligently to prepare for this particular Caring Well initiative. And so if you're part of that Caring Well team, and that's a number of you, would you just stand right where you are and remain standing so we can uh, acknowledge you? And so church family, you can see a number of folks representing us that have been looking into diving into this particular subject matter, particularly as it relates to the church and what it means to care well for others. David Vaughn, our worship uh, pastor, Karen Denenberg, a, a faithful servant and lay leader and a mother of children past and present in our student ministry. Austin Birch, our minister of students. Uh, Gabe Jackson, one of our uh, personnel committee members and a faithful deacon. Shad Watts, who uh, is leading a, a child and student safety Committee at present, past led by Will Gregory for quite a season. So Shad Watts, Karen Denneberg are part of that team. Kevin Boland, our discipleship pastor. Jack Cox is also a member of that child and student safety committee and our Caring Well team and Anna McConnell uh, as as well. Uh, Pete Collins in the back in the sound booth is also part of that group. David Eanes, our minister of children, who's now with children. Kelly Young, our, uh, week, our, our, our preschool ministry director. And Lori Holmes, our weekday uh, preschool program director. All of these folks, Blakely Splawn as well, and Tarina Smith. Thank you guys. You guys can have a seat. But these are folks, church, I want you to know, that have been praying together, collaborating together, conversing together, going through hours of training individually and together around this subject matter because we, we want to be faithful in this particular area. We want to be faithful across the board. And here's the deal. We can't and we won't care well for others if we don't first recognize the way that our God, our loving God that we're singing to and about today cares for us. We won't love our neighbors as we've been uh, challenging one another and hearing Jesus challenge us from his word. We won't love our neighbors if we don't first know the deep, deep love the Father has for us. And so this, this morning, we want to look for just a few moments at a text you likely know, uh, probably the most familiar verse in all the Bible and all the scriptures, and definitely the most famous summation of the gospel. So we're in John chapter 3 today, John chapter 3, verse 16. And as is our practice here in Meadowbrook, let me invite you to join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word. John chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible reads this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Father, help us to understand this truth Guide us, the presence and power of your spirit, Lord, that we might see your love for us and respond accordingly. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. 
Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, if you look at your worship bulletin cover, you'll see a thought-provoking image portraying the message behind our present sermon series. Right, right. We, we've wrestled with the question the lawyer asked Jesus, the expert in God's law, the expert in the Old Testament law asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And so looking at the words of Jesus, we've seen that many folks ought to fit into that particular category for followers of of Christ. According to Jesus, those who know Jesus have many neighbors whom they're called to love. Number one, we said we're called to love fellow believers, fellow Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're called to be known by our love for one another, but not just one another, even the lost, also the lost, meaning unbelievers, those who do not know Jesus Christ. And as we saw last week, not only believers and unbelievers, but we're also called, challenged, led to love the downtrodden, the hurting, right? So we, we've answered the question. Jesus has answered the question for us. Who, who are we to love and who it is that we're called to love? But how are we to do it? How are we to love these folks? How are we to love our neighbors as ourselves? Certainly from the heart, right? We're to love them from the heart. And we often associate the heart with the center of our feelings, with the center of our affections, But as we consider this text for a few moments, as we consider John chapter 3, verse 16, the most famous verse in all of the Bible today, as we consider this text, I want us to hear that when it comes to loving my neighbor, I cannot give what I do not have. When it comes to loving my neighbor, I cannot give what I do not have. I cannot give what I do not have. My heart can only give what I've already received. How is it that Jesus can call us to give an others before self kind of love? And make no mistake about it, that's the kind of love Jesus practiced. And that's the kind of love, the kind of sacrificial love that he said would mark us, that would mark his people, that would mark his bride, his followers, his disciples, as distinct from the rest of the world. Jesus calls us to an others before self kind of love because that's the very kind of love that he's first given to us. You see, John captures the degree to which God loves us with God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he gave. That he gave what? That he gave his one and only son, the only one he had. He gave his son for what? To live an earthly life as a human, fully identifying with us in that way, yet never, ever, never, ever, not a day of his life, not a moment of his life ever succumbing to sin, always living and loving rightly so that, here's why, so that he could lay down his life as the perfect and pure sacrifice for our sins. That's that's what it means that God gave His son. John conveys the recipients of God's love. Who who does he love? He conveys the recipients of God's love with, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. People of the world. John's succinct gospel summation lands in the context of Jesus' conversation with a religious guy named Nicodemus, a Pharisee. One who was striving to live 
A life of obedience to the Lord. One who emphasized separation from the world and obedience to God as the path to right standing before God. He and other Israelites were quite familiar with God's love for them. They were used to hearing of God's love for Israel, for his people. But John says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes... Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's an inclusive invitation, regardless of nationality or heritage or gender or age or social status or merit. For God so loved the world, meaning all the people of the world. How can this be? This is not a decision God just made one day like you might make. From time to time when you have a free day. What am I going to do today? I'm going to sleep in today. I'm going to read a book today. I'm going to go to the lake today. Should I go fishing today? Should I clean the house today? No, this was not like that. This is who God is. He's a God filled with amazing love for the people whom he has made. Despite our every attempt to disregard, ignore, and disobey him. Listen to this. God's gift of Jesus derives from affection for us, not any obligation to us. The gift of Jesus, of sending his son to live the life that we didn't and couldn't, and to die the death that we deserve so that we could have eternal life in him. God's gift of Jesus derives from his affection for us, not any obligation that he has to us. It's not a forced love, but a free love. It's not transactional, meaning it's not his response to some nice thing we've done for him. God does not exist to serve us and is not obligated to us. God's sending of his son is his gracious gift for our eternal good. God's gift of Jesus derives from his affection for us, not any obligation to us. Have you ever felt obligated to buy a gift for someone? You, you probably have. You know what I'm talking about. You, you, you know about cousin Bartholomew that shows up at your family Christmas gathering like once every four or five years. You don't expect him to come, but he, all of a sudden he comes one year and he comes bearing a gift for your family. And so you feel obligated. I've got to purchase Bartholomew a gift. Guys, may, maybe you don't feel that way, but somebody in your house, maybe your wife says, hey, run out and find Bartholomew. You gotta get Bartholomew a gift. Go get him a gift. Go find him a gift. And so you run out and you, begrudgingly look for a gift because you feel obligated to buy Bartholomew a gift or whoever it may be. Not not so with God. This is not his obligation to us. There's no sense of obligation to us. No, this is the gift of, of his love for us. The gift of Jesus cost God everything. Not because he's obligated to us, but because of his affection, his love for us. Not because we deserve it, but because... He loves us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, God's gift of Jesus derives from his affection for us. His desire for us, his love for us, and not from any obligation he has to us. Do you really believe this? Do you really believe this 
good news of God's grace that rescues sinners. I, I can't speak for all of you, but this is a message most of us have heard. We've heard it time and time and time and time again of God's great love for us. But something deep down inside of us struggles to believe it. Right? We, we think we've got to earn it. Leading many of us to either give up and say, I can't do it, or to endless striving for the favor of the Lord. And still for others, you may not take issue with God's love for you, but with the crazy length to which he goes to show it. God, what wasn't the cross a bit much? Does my sin, Lord, really warrant such wrath? After all, I'm not really that bad. I mean, some folks around me, I, I see those. Some folks are, but, but not most of us, not me. I, you might say it in your heart. You might not say it before others, but some of you, some of us are convinced that God grades on a curve. I mean, look around. We say, I'm not perfect, but I see many folks in Engaged in activities that are far worse than mine. More depraved than mine. And so goes our thinking. Earlier this week, our staff had the opportunity to go on a little getaway, a little retreat, and spend some time together in prayer and collaboration. Much of that was towards this Caring Well initiative. And so we had the opportunity to go out to eat one night. And one brother among us at the table, uh, Austin Birch, our minister of students, yours Truly decides he wants a little, uh, a little hot sauce on his vegetable soup. And so he picks up the hot sauce and he wants to drop a drop of hot sauce in the soup. But rather than a drop, he drops a dollop of hot sauce in his soup. Now that may not sound like a big deal unless you've tried hot sauce, unless you really like hot sauce because all you need is a drop to taste the hot sauce. And so Austin does his best to get that soup down. One dollop messes up the whole soup, messes up the whole taste of of the soup, the whole consistency of what he's eating. Right? If you don't like hot sauce, one drop ruins the whole thing. And if our maker exercises justice, one drop of sin ruins the whole life. Leads to wrong standing before God. God does not grade on a curve. We can't earn and do not deserve his love. We cannot increase his love for us, it's, a, it's limitless already, for it led to the Father sending His Son to die for us. That's, a, that's amazing love. Church, God's amazing love, the love I'm called to mirror with my neighbor, but a love I'll never ever mirror, not well, a, no, a love I'll, I'll never really give if I don't first believe it and if I haven't already received it. You see, God demonstrates his amazing love through the gift of Jesus. And we all either receive or reject God's gift of Jesus. Every one of us. We all either receive or reject God's gift of Jesus. There's no neutral space here. Something in us may react. Do do we have to be so cut and dry? Isn't there some other way? Isn't there some middle way? No. How do you know? Because the Word of God tells us 
So John would go on to say in John chapter 3, verse 18, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in the Son, whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, condemnation precedes faith in Christ. For every believer who's turned and put their trust in Jesus prior to doing so, we were condemned before God. Before and apart from believing, we stand condemned. Doomed, lost, sentenced to death for our sin against God. Condemned or not condemned, those are the only options. And the only distinction between persons in each camp is faith in Jesus Christ. Is your faith in Christ. Have you received the gift of Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you believed? Have you said yes to Jesus? Oh, friend, consider the cost of saying yes, but also consider the cost of saying no. Consider the cost of saying yes to Jesus and consider the cost of saying no to Jesus. Those who say no are those who reject God's gift and they perish. Refusing the gift of grace, their sins continue to be counted against them, leaving them guilty before the God of all glory. They die to face eternal judgment, separated from God forever with no hope for eternal life. But the one... Every one, every one who says yes to Christ is saying, God, my life is yours. It's no longer my own. I want to know you and I want to follow you and I want to live for you. I want to walk by faith in you, believing that you, Jesus, are indeed who you say you are. That you are the eternal Son of God and Savior of my soul and Lord of all. Friend, consider the cost. Consider the cost. We all either receive or reject God's gift of Jesus. We do so with eternal ramifications. And so I urge you today, believe, trust, and follow Christ. Believe, trust, and follow after him. Trust and follow Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John says, whoever believes in him, will have eternal life. So what does it mean to believe in him? Well, to believe in Jesus is to acknowledge your need for him. To acknowledge your need for him, thereby recognizing that you deserve to be separated from God because of your sin. Acknowledge your need for him. But to believe in Jesus is also to believe that God loves you in spite of your sin. And that in Jesus, God acts to remove your sin. To remove the sin barrier between us and God. To reconcile us to himself. Do you believe these things? That you're a sinner deserving to perish but that God sent Jesus, his son, to die for you and to bring you eternal salvation. If you do, then God calls you. He calls us. He calls us to move beyond mere intellectual conviction and to trust him with our lives, saying, yes, Lord, 
Yes, Lord, I believe these things. I believe I'm a sinner in need of Jesus to be my Savior. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I commit my life to you and will go in the way that you lead me. Oh, friends, make that commitment before the Lord. Receive the love of the Most High God. Receive the love of the Father. And if you make that commitment, God promises you, He promises you eternal life. And as a recipient of His love, He then calls you to be about giving that love away, to share it and to show it to the world. And so be reconciled to God. Believe, trust, and follow Jesus. And then once you do, brother, sister in Christ, be sent by Jesus to all the world. Be sent by this Jesus to all the world. John tells us that God sent His Son into the world to save the world from their sins. And that's what He does. He comes to save us from our sins. And then when He does, this sent one, this sent Savior, sends His followers to proclaim this good news of God's love. Jesus would later say, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He tells his people, he tells his disciples, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus doesn't send us alone. He doesn't expect us to come up with a message on our own. He commissions us to serve as his messengers, as his representatives, sharing the gospel news of God's amazing gift to the world. You see, when it comes to loving my neighbor, I cannot give what I do not have. But if I've received God's amazing love, then I can. And I get to. I'm privileged to give it away to others. So believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and then be sent in the name of Christ to share the good news of Christ to the world. And as we transition this morning, I want to share a few folks about a few folks with you, folks that you know who are striving to do just that, who are committing themselves to do just that. I want to introduce to you, many of you already know them, the Luther family. Luther's, would you stand just right where you are this morning? This is Michael and Dr. Michael and Holly Luther and their kiddos. And they have been with us for a season. They have been faithful members here of Meadowbrook Baptist Church. They have served in a variety of capacities. In fact, Dr. Luther has been tremendously helpful as we've navigated COVID and various precautions and guidelines surrounding that. And Holly, they, they have jumped in full force. But they have sensed that God is leading them to be sent out somewhere else for the sake of His kingdom. They are going to the black belt of Alabama. They're Moving to Marion, to Perry County, uh, Michael is going to be serving with a Christ-centered medical system that provides primary care in underserved areas. And so we want to pray for them. We want to celebrate God's work in them and through them. In addition to that, Holly has a higher education background and she has a heart for helping students 
to gain access to college education and training for students in underserved areas of Alabama. And so they're going to be part of equipping and training others as followers of Jesus Christ to that end. And we want to pray for them this morning. So Luther's, if you would remain standing right where you are and add some other folks that are also being sent out on a shorter term assignment, our Moldova mission team, would you stand right where you are this morning? And so in a couple days, on Tuesday, David and Shannon Brown, Kevin Bolin and Tamara Mosher are all boarding the plane and they're traveling abroad to Moldova to serve alongside our sister church of Danku Baptist Church there in, in Danku, uh, Moldova. And they're going to be visiting some partner ministries. They're going to be serving that community. They're going to be leading in a discipleship training initiative for pastors. And so we want to pray for all of these this morning who are being sent out from among us. So church, if you would, if you would pause right where you are, bow with me in prayer, and then we're going to transition to a congregational response. Father, we come before you now, and we thank you for these. Lord, we thank you so much. Lord, for the Luther family, we thank you for your work in their hearts. We thank you for your work in their lives. We thank you that they desire to know and to follow Jesus and to use the gifts that you have given them to point others to Christ. Father, we pray that you would bless this move. Lord, that you would guide them each step of the way. Father, we we are going to miss them here, but we know they are part of something larger than Meadowbrook Baptist Church, Lord, that they are faithful servants in your kingdom. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use them to that end as they transition to Perry County. Lord, guide them. Use them for your glory. Use them to meet physical needs. And, Lord, even more so, Lord, to, to point folks to salvation in Jesus. And Father, likewise, we pray for our Moldova team. We pray for Tamara. We pray for Shannon and for David and Kevin. We pray that you would guide them as they go, Lord, as they go overseas. Father, for for a few days, Lord, we pray that you would pour into them and that you would use them to pour into others and that your name would be magnified through their departure, Lord, through their interactions, and Father, through their returning in time. Father, we pray that you would be magnified in us. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.